for 40 days after Jesus rose from the grave on that very first Easter Sunday morning, he appeared and encountered many people. For 40 days since we celebrated Easter, we've been going through these stories of every encounter with Jesus. And we've looked at how these encounters with Jesus during those 40 days changed their lives and we show that they still mean a lot to us today, that they're still changing our lives. All good things must come to an end as we go through this Encountering Jesus series and today we're gonna talk about the very last encounter with Jesus after he rose from the grave. But before we get to that last encounter, I think there's something that sets it up really well if we go back to actually the very first encounter. So before we talk about the last encounter, let's go to the first encounter. The first encounter was early on Easter morning when Jesus rose from the grave. The first encounter, the first person to meet Jesus was Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was the first witness. The first witness. Mary Magdalene, a period of time just before this moment, had met Jesus and had seven demons removed from her, and it gave her a whole new life. And she followed Jesus faithfully. As a matter of fact, Mary Magdalene is referenced more than most of the apostles in the New Testament scripture. And that morning, when Mary found the empty tomb and Jesus appeared to her, she didn't recognize right away who he was. And when she did, she cried out and she went to hug him. And the scripture read this in John chapter 20. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Imagine that. Mary went to just latch on to him and Jesus says, don't cling to me. Mary had lost Jesus once. She wasn't going to lose him again, right? And a lot of times when people come at this piece of scripture and they look at it, they kind of put a supernatural tone like if Mary would grab him, she would turn to like ashes. This is the risen Jesus. This is a whole new spiritual being, a whole new, this is God himself. And some people read this and say, man, don't cling to me. Like if Mary did, she just poof, turned into ashes or something. Like it was a supernatural event. But we know just hours later, the disciples all touched Jesus. He showed them the wounds so let me, let me give you a different angle on this, maybe a fresh angle. That at that moment when Jesus says, don't cling to me, he says, if you let me go, if you let me ascend, go up to heaven, you will have even a stronger relationship with me. A relationship that lasts forever. And today we're gonna look at that last moment the last encounter of Jesus right before he goes up, right in front of their eyes to heaven. The ascension, him going up to heaven in full view of the 11 is one of the most puzzling acts in the New Testament. I mean, you think about it, we think, well, it maybe seemed normal to us, but I think it didn't seem anything like normal back then. The ascension, I mean, 
Everybody's asking a question. Why did he leave us? Why did Jesus leave us? And the impression there is, if he leaves, we're going to have less of him. But we're going to show today in this story, by letting go of Jesus, we actually get more of him. So I want to welcome everybody. We're glad you're here today. We've got a beautiful day ahead of us. For our guests, my name is Brian. For those online, we're glad you're with us too. Um, before we jump into this last encounter, I want to bring up one thing here on this worship guide. First, for our guests, there's these sermon notes on the back, which is an outline of what we're going to talk about in this last encounter with Jesus. And then there's something really big on the front part that I want to talk about really quickly is the local church conference. Our church annual meeting is this Wednesday at 6.30. We would love every one of you there. Um, we will have, I think, ice cream, but we celebrate what God's done, and God's done a lot in this church in the last year. We're looking at what God's doing next. There's some business there as we look at setting our budget and electing our leadership positions, but we would love to have all you there so you can know the heart of our church, and uh, you get to see it really in depth that night, so come hang out with us this Wednesday night at 6.30. We do have daycare also if that is a challenge for you. So yeah, here's our whole Encountering Jesus series. There's a progression to it. We started with Encountering Jesus in the water. We went to Encountering Jesus at the campfire. We went to Encountering Jesus at his side. And today we're going to wrap it up by saying Encountering Jesus at his throne. So I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts. The Acts, or you might, it might be the Acts of the Apostles in your in your Bible, it's just past the four Gospels in the New Testament. We're going to be in chapter 1. If you turn with me there in your Bibles, if you get your app going and join with me, we're right there starting in chapter 1, and we're going to be starting uh, in verse 3. So this, this section of the Acts of the Apostles summarizes all the encounters with Jesus, starting in verse 3. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So here we go, quick summary. For 40 days after he rose, Jesus appeared. That's six weeks, if you're counting. Six weeks, he showed up. Not to a few, he actually showed himself to hundreds and I can say that because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says in one occasion, Jesus appeared to 500 people. He didn't appear to just a few. He appeared to a lot, and especially the disciples, the people that would carry on and birth the church. There was no doubt, the scripture says, no doubt that he was alive. He proved it. Not only fully alive, beat death, rose from the grave, fully physical, fully spiritual, not only did he prove all that and show the wounds on himself, he also proved and shared about the kingdom of God because standing in front of them was proof of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. The one thing we all hope for, that we will all rise one day, was standing there in the way that you and I will look one day, fully physical, fully spiritual. And Jesus appears a last time. The grand finale will take us to the Mount of Olives and he's meeting with his 11 disciples, those who were closest to him. And we pick up there in Acts 1, verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has a time come for you to free Israel? 
and restore our kingdom? And Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying that, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. So here we are, the apostles, the 11, given these 11 the final instruction, the final words of Jesus on earth, at the Mount of Olives. And they're still a little gray on what's going on. They're still a little gray about what is the purpose of your death and resurrection? So they ask this question. Jesus, are you going to restore Israel? In today's terminology, we would be saying, Jesus, will you make Israel great again? And Jesus gives them a non-answer. They're still looking for a political theocracy. They're expecting everything to come down from above. And Jesus gives them a non-answer. He says, that's not... For me to decide, that's God the Father's decision. And he brushes it aside. It's not important for you. But, you know, but is my favorite word in all the Bible. But, he said, let me get you focused on what's important. And he begins to share with them a gift. He says, this is what's important, is I'm gonna give you a gift, and that gift is the Holy Spirit. And with this gift, you will be my witnesses. This is his last command. You will be my witnesses everywhere, in Jerusalem, in the city where they're at, in Judea, the, the province around them, in Samaria, which is an area of people that are a much different cultural context than them, and to the ends of the earth. You know, we read this scripture as an evangelical missional, high missional church. We read this scripture a lot because we love Acts 1.8. But I want you to understand that when we go through Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, we kind of, it's routine for us. I don't think it was routine at all for the apostles. And the 11, he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. They've been hiding in Jerusalem. Their savior was killed there. Judea, everywhere they went three years with Jesus, a lot of those places they were rejected. Samaria, Jews aren't liked in Samaria. They went around that place to the ends of the earth. In their minds, that's Gentiles, anybody that's not Jewish. And they're like going, hold on a second. And Jesus' last command is go. Be witnesses. Tell them what you've seen and heard. Tell them the good news. And he's taken right up in front of him. And we call that the ascension. He's taken up right in front of him. Just like in baseball, going, 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 gone. And we read this scripture all the time and we talk, it, talk about it from a missional sense. Our call to be as a church to be witnesses, but there's something really important in verse nine that I don't think we, 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 we can't miss. And that is the ascension is a pretty big deal. This completes his earthly mission. Without it, we're stuck. 
Let me show you how big the ascension really is when we read verse 9. Your first sermon out together. The ascension of Jesus is not, there's some sub points here. First one, the ascension of Jesus is not about leaving, but enthroning. We look at it and say, He's gone. They're like, No, it's where He's going. Is God seats Jesus at His right hand on the throne of heaven. He's given all authority and all power. He's in charge of everything. We get stuck on He left. We should get stuck on He's enthroned. And that's important to us. Second thing, the ascension of Jesus has him seated, but not silent. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. That is where he's at today. And he may be seated, but he is not silent, and he's not inactive. Jesus, every day, is our high priest. His act on the cross and his life have three modes of save. He saved us by his death on the cross. He saves us today by interceding between you and I and the Father, and he will save us one day when he comes back. Today, at the right hand of the Father, is when I mess up, while the cross was important, what was important is he's still standing there between God and I saying, we can fix this. He's very active today. And he has to be there to do this. Third, the ascension of Jesus tells us how he's coming back. And this is what we're really excited about. We, we pay attention to how he left because one day he's going to come back. He's going to restore heaven here on earth. The dead will rise. Those of us who are still here will be restored just like him. New physical, new spiritual. And he will come the same way he left. On this note, write Revelation 1-7. It's the last book of the Bible and it describes how he comes back. It says, look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him. That's how he's coming back. Look, he comes down through the clouds and everyone will see him. Now pay attention to this. When he left, only 11 saw him go. When he comes back, everyone on this whole globe, I don't know how it's gonna work, but I believe the Bible to be true. Everyone will see him when he comes back. Ladies and gentlemen, nobody's gonna miss it. And the last, the ascension of Jesus empowers the church for her mission. The ascension is so important to us because it empowers the church for her mission. Jesus left to make room for somebody else to come. Jesus left to make room for the Holy Spirit to come. Forty days Jesus appeared and he said ten days after that on the fiftieth day that I will send my spirit upon all the believers in the church. Why this is so important to us is when Jesus was on earth, he wasn't connected to every soul on the planet. Jesus in his humanness had to limit some of his ability. But the fact that he has ascended, the fact that he is on the throne, and the fact that he sent the Holy Spirit is now Jesus is connected to every single one of us. There's nobody he cannot touch. The Holy Spirit is God's very spirit inside us that keeps us connected to the Savior. And the Spirit comes 
dwells in the believer, launches the Christian church, and the Christian church carries on the mission of Jesus that all will know. So are you with me? The ascension's a pretty big deal, right? It's a pretty big deal. 1 Peter 3.22 summarizes this. It says, Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God. And all the angels and all the authorities and all the powers accept his authority. I hope you can see by Jesus leaving, it's not about less of him, it's about more of him. We all have to be able to see that. Jesus is now more accessible than when he walked the earth and through the spirit he is, in, he is infinitely available to you and I. So the ascension is the last act, the last encounter in front of the leaven. Jesus' earthly mission is now done. His mission now is in heaven. He is now preparing a place for all who believe. He's preparing to come back. He's preparing to bring heaven down to earth and bring the Father to all of us. So with Jesus up there, we need one thing. We all need this today, and that's hope. And it's our second note together. Our hope is based on Jesus is Lord. Those three words are very important. Our hope that you and I have that these bodies will rise, that we will one day, that death is not a period, it's a comma in our life, is based on the fact that these three words, Jesus is Lord. Jesus' life on earth, his, his public ministry, the three years, his crucifixion, the resurrection are all what we call past perfect events. We don't live in those. His life, resurrection, crucifixion are all past perfect events. Let me, let me I'm not digging on, Catholicism's my background, but the difference between a crucifix where Jesus is hanging on the cross and this cross is a difference of are we living in the past events or are we live in the fact that he's not on the cross and he is Lord? Amen. Now, that's not a dig, but it's just it's a difference in theology of how we see Jesus is Lord. It's because he's Lord, he's not on this cross. The resurrection, the crucifixion are past events. The present lordship of Jesus is the stage of the gospel we all live in right now. Jesus is Lord is what we live in right now. And this is beautifully listed in Romans 10 starting in verse 9 if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved in order for every one of us in this room to be saved to be justified made right to God, we must confess Jesus is Lord because that's where we are right now. In all the story, we are right there. When we confess Jesus is Lord, we're sharing our belief in the past. We're sharing our belief that Jesus walked this earth. We're sharing in his crucifixion that we believe in that past event. We're sharing that we believe in his resurrection. And we're sharing that we believe he ascended. And we're sharing that right now we believe he is Lord seated at the right hand of the Father. 
So I really wanted to make sure we understood how important the ascension was. We all with? <laughs> you all hanging with me? So let's go back. We left 11 guys on the Mount of Olives staring in the sky. So let's go back and hang out with them for a minute. So let's go back there. Mount of Olives. Jesus had just gone up in the sky. Let's go back to the book of Acts. And as he disappeared, I wondered, was there a conversation between the 11? As they looked up in the sky with their mouths kind of open, do you think Peter looked down and said, where did he say he was going? Another one said, did he say he was sending the Holy Spirit? Another one said, are we really supposed to go to all those places? You know, they're all looking at each other, and I just think they all look back up with their mouths kind of open. And let's pick that up in verse 10. As they strained to see Jesus rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So we are, two guys in white, angelic beings. These guys showed up on Easter too, if you remember right. That first Easter day, it's like, why are you standing here? Why are you standing? Let's assume something. Why are you standing here? Have your parents ever asked you that? Why are you standing there? I would share my dad's favorite saying to us was, do you believe in hereafter? We're like going, yeah, because you're going to be here after we leave. <laughs> like, what's assumed and why are you standing here? Go, right? Move. That's automatically assumed. Move. Go. Go. These two guys in white, hey, why are you standing here? It's like, it's time to move. They reassure him, guys, he's coming back. Same way you saw him go. So don't get flat-footed. Let's go. Go and do what? Let's look at the third note together. The church's mission, witnesses, not water boys. You know I have to throw a sports analogy in here somewhere, right? The church's mission, go, go do what? Be witnesses. Don't be water boys. The church carries the mission of Christ to be witnesses. No water boys, water girls, no standing on the sidelines while the game of life is going on. We are called to get into the game and we can do this on Sunday. Sometimes we can show up and think church is all about an hour on Sunday and go home and stand on the sidelines. And it's not. You know what's beautiful about Sunday morning besides hanging out with you guys, worshiping together, praying together in community, which is huge, is we inspire in this moment praise, lead, and everything to walk right out these doors and be witnesses that we actually are the church the rest of the week. And what we do on Sunday is like a big huddle. We get all of our hands in the middle and say, go team, and we go out in the world and continue the mission of witnesses. So the question might be here is like, well, what does it take to be a witness? What does it take to be a witness? If that's the mission of every one of us, what does it take to be a witness? Now, you, this isn't in your notes, so you might want to write this down. I won't give a little credit here to R. Kent Hughes, a great pastor, a great theologian. He said, witnesses have three things. This is how we're witnesses. The first is logos. They're Greek words. Witnesses have the word of Christ. The word of God. 
the Bible. Witnesses have this story stored up in our hearts of let me tell you about God's love which defeats the sin that separate us from him. The love of God who came through Christ on the cross and who rose again. Let me tell you the good news. I can tell you this whole Bible in six minutes. Let me tell you about the good news. Witnesses have logos. Next thing the witnesses have is ethos. From our word ethics. We live what we believe. Witnesses get inspired here on Sunday and we go out and we live as Christ's church all week long. We live what we believe, which is much different than the world and the world's looking. And we have answers. Witnesses not only have the word of Christ and we live, the logos and ethos, we have the pathos, the passion. Witnesses requires passion. Witnesses require our hair is on fire and our hearts are on fire. I love going back to the road to Amos, Emmaus that we shared right when we got out of, out of Easter where they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when Jesus stood right by us? And their hearts went burning as they went back to tell everybody. Pathos, passion. Witnesses, that's all it takes, guys. Logos, ethos, pathos. Witnesses carry on the mission until Jesus comes back. That is our role. That is our primary mission. Everything we do inside this church, every little small group you go to, every time we praise and worship is to go out and be witnesses. In our church, look at you. You're a good-looking group of witnesses. Now hold it a second. You're thinking... Okay, okay, so maybe we're dealing with the same thing that, that little hesitation that disciples had. So Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is Manhattan for us. Judea is our province, so we'd say Judea is our state, Kansas. Samaria is people not like us at all, so let's say Lawrence. <laughs> Forgive me those of you watching online, that's my guy. People very culturally different than us. KU fans, anyway, that's fine. <laughs> ends of the earth. We have people from our church that are on the ends of the earth. We have two sitting in the back row that are getting ready to go back to Tanzania, waiting in a couple weeks. We hope it all goes through. And we are, they're an extension of us. This church knows. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. We are all witnesses. And I think the last hesitation, if I can hit on the last hesitation any of us might have about can I be a witness, is I want to go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 4, because I skipped this on purpose to come back. Am I sure I can do this? Starting in verse 4. Once, when Jesus was eating with them, this was back when he was appearing to them over those 40 days, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Forty days Jesus was on earth encountering people. Ten days after he left the earth, fifty days from the day he rose was the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was poured out on the believers and they birthed the church. That same spirit is poured out on us for who believes. 
If you hesitate to think I do not have the strength, power, or wisdom to be a witness, God's very spirit is inside you who will take you through the strength, the power, the boldness, the words to say. You have a supernatural power inside you that will lead you every step of the way. So that's our last sermon out together. We talked about the church's mission, be witnesses, not water boys. This one, the church's power is the Holy Spirit. Every one of us has the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the very power of God in us. That Holy Spirit will give you the power of Logos. He will help you understand every word you're reading and how to share that word and help somebody else understand it. That same Holy Spirit will share with you the ethos. When I'm not living on Monday like I was on Sunday, there will be a tap on my shoulder reminding me, Brian, the Spirit will convict me, convince me that I live differently because of the gospel of Christ. And the Holy Spirit will give you the pathos. He will bite your hair on fire right after he ignites your heart on fire to go out and have the passion to share with others what they so desperately need that we so blessedly have inside of us. Hmm. The next three weeks, we're gonna be sharing about that power inside of us. The next three weeks, we're gonna talk about the spirit is in us. The spirit that's in us is not just for us, it is for us together. It's for the church. This series will be called The Power of Together. The next three weeks, if you're adding things up, will take us to May 23rd, which is 50 days after Easter, the day of Pentecost, the day where the church went nuts as witnesses. So let me leave you with this note. <laughs> don't walk out these doors a water boy or a water girl. Please don't leave this church today and sit on a sideline. Please be a witness. That video that started this, let me share the very words from Jesus himself. Go, tell the world about me. Go, make disciples. Go, serve as I served. Go, love as I loved. Go, tell them I came. Tell them I died. Tell them I rose again. Tell them I ascended. And tell them I'm with you always. Go. Go, go, go. Those of you online, go. I want us all to go running right now out the door. Go. <laughs> but before we do that, I want you to hold up a sec. There's a special group of people today that we want to recognize who just finished a major accomplishment that we're going to send out into the world as witnesses, and that is our graduates. And Pastor Dylan is going to help us with that. <laughs> Can you hear me? Cool. Makes you wonder what the disciples were feeling right as he left. Because they have instructions. The instructions are simple. But I just, I know myself and I can just imagine sitting there wondering, I know that I need to go, I know where I need to go, but waiting for that first step of how do I get there. 
And that, I think, is the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Because it's amazing how he empowers all of us universally, everybody. He's poured out on us all. But at the same time, knows us so deeply and so personally that he can whisper in our ear what that first step looks like for each one of us. And maybe it's different for each one of us. And in that, too, there's a blessing that we can look back on all that God has already done in us and through us. The disciples sitting there knowing that there is a next step waiting on them, but being able to look at at their whole journey that they had been with Jesus up until this moment and being able to celebrate that and glean from that what they had been taught and use that to step forward into what he has for them. And that's why I think that we have such a tremendous blessing and opportunity to celebrate the graduates is because they have learned a lot from where they've been. And there's a lot of excitement in where they're going. So if graduates, would you guys please come up and join me on stage? If you've graduated college, high school, kindergarten, we would love to celebrate with you guys. Somebody's got to move first. I'm going to do my best to stay out of the way. I want to see you guys, not me. So if you guys would, I'm going to hand you the mic and then just go down the line. If you would just tell us who you are, um, what you've just completed, and where you're headed next. Uh, my name's Alec Fear. I'm graduating uh, from Kansas State University with a Bachelor's of Science in Wildlife and Outdoor Enterprise Management, and uh, I'm going to be a hunting guide is the plan. So. I'm Olivia Meyer. I graduated from Manhattan Christian College with an emphasis in counseling, and I'm going to Mid-America Nazarene to get my master's. Uh, my name is Tim Corbett. I graduated from Kansas State University with a Master of Arts in Education uh, in teaching and a emphasis in elementary education. And I'm looking to get a job as a fourth or fourth or sixth grade teacher. Uh, my name is Haley Kolb. I'm doing my associates from Manhattan Christian College. Not sure what it's saying exactly, but uh, I'm going online with Grand Canyon University to finish my bachelor's in marketing and advertisement. Awesome. Thank you, guys. If you would sit put, stay put. Sit still, one of those, for just a second. We would love an opportunity to pray over you guys and lift you up. Um, and with that, this is, I mean, this is our offering as a church. Um, some of you guys are very familiar faces to me, and I know that there's others that know you well, and it's been such a blessing to walk with you guys. Olivia's my wife. She's familiar. <laughs> And with that, um, George Wirtz is maybe joining us online. He's, he's a missionary of ours that's in Ecuador, and I know that it's been a blessing to walk with him during this, too. He's graduating um, from K-State with a master's degree. And so, clap for George. But we as a church would love to, to lift you guys up um, almost as our offering. Um, but with that as well, an opportunity um, for all of us 
to ask God what it is that he needs us to go and do today. Because it starts now. So what is our opportunity to offer our hearts today? Does that mean that we drop a Connect card and the offering boxes on the way out that are by the doors? Do we drop in a couple bucks? Do we drop in a lot of bucks? Do we simply offer our hearts? Do we pray three times this week for a name that we heard today that we know God is going to do so much through? What is God asking of you? Be bold enough to say yes to whatever it is. Would you guys pray with me? God, we thank you so much for the ways that you encounter us. The ways that you walk alongside us. And you bless us with others that look like you, talk like you, and speak your truth into our lives. God, I just pray for the graduates in this moment. Lord, rest your hand on them. Give them a confidence in where you're guiding them and an excitement for what that next step is. Because God, you are going with them. We are so excited, all of us, to go, but we are encouraged knowing that we never have to go alone. Because God, you are always present with us. So go with us. Show us what that next step is. And remind us of the beautiful plan that you have for each one of us. Because God, I know that oftentimes we can find ourselves wanting to be that person on the sideline instead of in the game because we're not convinced that we are who you need. So God, remind us with confidence that you have beautifully designed us and made us, crafted us, and molded us to be exactly who you need us to be. God, we're the only one that can do that for you. Don't let us miss it. Lord, we lift up our graduates, and we lift up our hearts. May in all things we respond obediently to your voice. Lord, we love you, we praise you, empower us with your spirit. Amen. Thank you, guys.